0: Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of Thaisi Books, news and views about Thaisi literature from the world over. I'm your host, Jenny Pat. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, in addition to the usual roundup of new notable Thaisi books, short stories, poems, essays, interviews, awards, and more, we have the graphic storyteller Bishark Sohn joining us for a new monthly segment called See Craft Chat. This segment will feature storytellers talking about their craft, how they approach it, their process, their works, and more. So Bishark will be sharing details about her latest collection, Apsara Engine, and how she approaches the graphic storytelling form. So settle in for a listen and the full transcript with all the links will be up within 24 hours as well. Here are some books by Desi writers coming out this month. They're not necessarily in order of publication date, as my discovery process is a bit haphazard. And as I'd mentioned last week, all the titles mentioned in this new book segment are now in a handy-dandy list online at bookshops.org. This benefits local independent booksellers directly. It's a U.S.-based site, so my apologies to non-U.S. listeners. First up, we've got a book, uh, well, it's actually a collection edited by Urvashi Bhattalia. She's the publisher of Zivan Books in India, and it's titled Women and Partition. This book brings together writers from India, Bangladesh, and Pakistan to explore the still largely unaddressed aspects of the human histories of that partition period, and it's got first-person accounts, essays, personal histories, and interviews with women who lived through partition and who have inherited its legacies. Manu Pillai has a book out titled The World of Raja Ravi Varma*. This was a famous Indian painter. And it has stories of all the men and women featured in his paintings. Should be fascinating. And there's an interview at The Hindu with Pillai, which I'll link in the transcript. Sukanta Chaudhary has edited The Cambridge Companion to Rabindranath Tagore. It has critical surveys and studies of Tagore's art and how it was received. And the authors are among the leading Tagore experts from India and abroad. Shivangi Swaroop's award-winning debut novel, Latitudes of Longing, is out in the U.S. this month. It came out to much acclaim in India last year or, I believe, the year before. Partition, Literature and Cinema, a Critical Introduction, is the title of a new book edited by J.D. Sarkar and Rupayan Mukherjee. It discusses partition as not just an immediate historical catastrophe, but as a lingering cultural presence, and consequently a trope in uh, literary and visual representations. Uh, That's from the blurb. So there are essays on texts that will be familiar to many uh, readers of Desi literature, like uh, Kushwan Singh's Train to Pakistan, um, Toba Tek Singh, which is Manto, I believe, Basti by Intisar Hussain, Garmhava, and Pinjar. And then finally, Ramiza Shamoon Koya's debut novel, The Royal Abduls, is out this month. It's about second-generation Americans dealing with anti-Muslim sentiments in a post-9-11 U.S. and India. Next, we have some new notable poems, stories, and essays from literary magazines and websites. And again, I know I'm not getting them all, so if you do know of some new ones published online by writers of South Asian heritage, uh, please share them by tagging the at TheySeeBooks Twitter account, uh, or you can email them to books at gmail.com. Thank you. Imtia Darker has a poem titled, I Need, Up at the Guardian. And this poem is filled with uh, so much sensory temptation, uh, but above all, a love of words and how they can move every part of our being. Manoha Shetty has a poem titled, Quarantine Blues, Up at uh, Scroll.in. It's part of their The Art of Solitude series. And um, it has a dry commentary on the current COVID-19 politics in India as well. The new issue of Granta has a couple of poems by Tishani Doshi titled Self and Tissue. These are classic Doshi poems with sensual imagery and layered emotions and the idea that you know we're always striving in vain for things beyond our understanding and reach. Bina Shah has a story at The Common titled Weeds and Flowers. It's about Afghan refugees in Pakistan and how two young schoolgirls are dealing with national politics at a more personal level. Mirza Athair Beg has a story at Asymptote Journal. It's titled Junk Shop and it's been translated from the Urdu by Haider Shabazz it's about how not everything thrown in the trash is really trash. At Granta, again, the, the latest issue, uh, Marine Soheil has a story titled Hair. It's behind the paywall, so you'll need a subscription, but you might consider it if you're serious about short stories, because Granta does publish some of the best ones out there. And this one, about a teenage couple in love, is beautifully written. This issue of Granta was guest edited by Rana Dasgupta. His introduction there is also worth a read. It's a meditation on the word membrane. Dasgupta also introduces the photography of Anita Kemka in this Granta issue. The piece is titled Lakshmi, and it's about how the photographer uh, spent time with transgender folks who are known as hijras in India. Fozia Karimi has an essay at Literary Hub titled The Letters of the Alphabet Are Some of the Oldest Forms of Storytelling. Karimi, as I'd mentioned a couple of weeks ago, has a debut novel just out called Above Us, the Milky Way. Rishi Reddy also has a piece at the Literary Hub. It's a reading list uh, with books about living through a plague. Ready, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, has a debut novel, uh, sorry, yes, it is a debut novel, my apologies, just out called Passage West. Seema Yasmin also has a reading list up um, at Electric Literature. It's titled Seven Books by and About Muslim Women. Yasmin has a book out recently um, with um, a co-author, Fahmida Azim titled, Muslim Women Are Everything. And it's about celebrating the many different kinds of Muslim women in the world. Serena Narula, the co-founder of one of the most prestigious prizes for South Asian literature, the DSC Prize, has an essay at scroll.in titled, Will India's Literary Prizes Outlive the Pandemic? And it's a wide-ranging essay on uh, literary awards, South Asian literature, the effect of the pandemic on the publishing world, and more. And finally, Shaheen Pasha has an essay up at Longreads titled Following the North Star. It's a personal essay about how she dealt with the incarceration of a former lover. (laughs) Next, let's look at some interviews and awards. Taran Khan was interviewed by Sayantani Dasgupta at scroll.in about her book, Shadow City, A Woman Walks Kabul. This is uh, Khan's first book. She's a journalist of international repute already. Uh, And this is Dasgupta's second interview in her 12 interview series, that I'd mentioned a few episodes ago. Preeti Taneja was on the Galley Beggar uh, podcast where she talked about Jeet Tail and read from Fulcrum No. 4, uh, the magazine edition where Thail edited a selection of 56 Indian poets. Um, this isn't an interview, really. It's, it's more of an oral essay, perhaps, um, but it's worth a listen. Abir Mukherjee and Sujata Massey were finalists in the 2020 Edgar Awards uh, with their respective novels Smoke and Ashes and The Satapur Stone. And the Sunday Times in the UK announced their short story prize long list. Uh, this is the biggest award for a single short story out there. And dur uh, e Zamna if I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, is on this long list with the story You Get What Is Yours. This is an infrequent segment with uh, calls for information or submissions on topics related to South Asia, Uh, And today, there's just one. Uh, Burnt Roti Magazine has a short story competition open for people of South Asian heritage. Submit by May 26th. The link is in the transcript. In today's They See Craft Chat segment, We're talking with Bishak So. Bishak's comics and artwork have appeared in places like The New Yorker, uh, The Boston Review, The Brooklyn Rail, BuzzFeed, The Huffington Post, Black Warrior Review, and many more. Her comics have also been included twice in the Notables list of Best American Comics. She received the prestigious Zerrick Grant in 2003, for her collection Angel. Upsara Engine, her new collection of short comics, was released in April by the Feminist Press. And her graphic memoir, Spellbound, is being published by Street Noise Books in August 2020. Here's a bit more about Upsara Engine. The eight delightfully eerie stories in Upsara Engine are a subtle intervention into everyday reality. A woman drowns herself in a past affair. A tourist chases another guest into an unforeseen past. And a non-binary academic researches post-colonial cartography. Imagining diverse futures and rewriting old mythologies... These comics delve into strange architectures, fetishism, and heartbreak. Painted in rich, sepia toned watercolors, Upsara Engine is Bishak Sohm's highly anticipated debut work of fiction, showcasing a series of fraught, darkly humorous, and seemingly alien worlds which ring all too familiar. Soam captures the weight of 21st century life as we hurl ourselves forward into the unknown. By turns fantastical and familiar, this graphic short story collection is immersed in questions of gender, the body, and existential conformity. So this was a lovely, casual, and... um, Enlightening conversation, and I'm truly grateful for these opportunities to connect with other artists and learn more about their work and their craft. So I hope you'll listen to it fully and support Bishark's two books out this year because it's a tough year for writers everywhere, and more so for writers working with small independent presses as she is. I'll apologize upfront for some of my own rookie mistakes. Um, I do a little bit more of the but um, and, you know, uh, but at least we don't have the overlapping audio problem this time, which is progress, right? So with that, let's get to the conversation. Hi, Vishak. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Great. Um, so I'd like to start with a few simple questions uh, as far as just you know how you practice your craft and then maybe there will be some follow-ons as, as we go along.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: Great. So let's start with a bit of your um, creative background and, and it, could you tell us how you came to the graphic storytelling form, uh, what drew you to it and how you've been uh, training for and practicing it?
1: I guess I'd been drawing comics since um, since I was a child and um, actually my, my parents introduced yeah. me to um, comics at an early age, so they would read me things like um, Tintin. Um, Hinton was actually like the sort of a very formative um, piece of literature for me. My my parents would buy the albums for me um, from the UN bookstore in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, where I was born. And they would they would read it aloud to me. Um, So I got to learn about um, comics and through that mainly. um, And after we came to the States, I remember, I, w- I was always drawing, but um, with some other kids at my school, we just started drawing comics. Um, we would you know, take a sheet of paper, divide it into like 12 squares and just start creating characters, making up really silly stories and stuff. Um, and we did that for quite a few years. And I guess I just never let go of that. You know, I just kept doing it. Um, and it seemed very sort of natural and organic to me, you know, the way that drawing seems to be quite organic to um, to children. you know, most most children start off drawing um, and maybe even before they start writing. and uh, and at some point they let it go, and I guess I just never did. Um, I never really, um, I mean, I kept doing comics and drawing after that. Um, but never really took it seriously as a you know potential future or potential career, if you want to call it that, um, until much later in my life, when um, you know things happened in my in my professional career as an architect that drove me back to comics and to drawing and to art. And um, so it's hard to say, you know, I've like been drawing all my life, and that's sort of that's been my practice, but I've never. Had a formal training in it. I just kept doing it, um, and at some point in the 2010s or so, I I thought it, there was an opportunity to to do something serious with it, and that's when I turned to doing it as um, a sort of more uh, intense in, endeavor. Um, you know, and it's not something I planned at all. Um, but I'm very fortunate that it turned out that way.
0: Wow, so so I didn't know that, uh, <laughs> that you were an architect for a while and then you came back to um, drawing and comics. So that's quite a switch. Um, if I can ask a follow on question, is there anything from your training and work as an architect that you found um, useful or, or you know complementary to what you do now uh, and the reason I ask that i've heard you know I've read interviews with certain novelists you know like Muslim and uh, Arundati Roy and they were both um, I think they had some background in in, in architecture certainly uh, Arundati Roy and she's talked about how fiction writing and writing a novel you know she uses architectural analogies so I was just wondering do you have any such do you find any such um, synergies between the two absolutely
1: yes um I think part of part of what um drew me (laughs) to drawing (laughs) um was my architectural training because we I grew up I took uh you know, I went to grad school for architecture at a time when we were still drawing by hand. So it was very it was a very um, sort of easy transition from drawing um, you know, very orthogonal lines to depict buildings to um, you know the world of comics and uh, and drawing comics by hand. Um, and just beyond that, I mean, um, on a very sort of simplistic level, I've taken the, I think, capability that I have of, of rendering space or imagining space uh, through drawing into comics, you know? So um, a lot of the, you know, I hesitate to call them backgrounds because they're not backgrounds, they're contexts and worlds that the characters inhabit. And sometimes the context themse- itself becomes a character. Um, the creation of those contexts and um, environments is something that I've taken from um, learning to draw, learning to draw architecturally, and learning to be able to think about space in a very um, in a formal way. You know, in a um, and then slightly sort of beyond that, even I've taken I've been experimenting with a lot of um, conventions of architectural representation, um, you know, forms of drawing that you don't see in other mediums, um, and sort of overlaying those forms, those modes of representation into comics, and then trying to um, create sort of a hybrid form, um, some of which you can see in, in my book, Upsara and Jin, um, where they're, you know, these sort of um, overlays of of um of drawings that that could be seen as architectural documents but in fact are part of the world of the comics and they're telling a story um, in other cases um there's another story where you know it's sort of the the conventions of the comic got suddenly explode into this sort of phantasmagoria of of world uh, building and a lot of that comes from my architectural imagination, which I got very frustrated with being in the field, doing the practice in the real world, and so found that you know it was very um, healthy for me to channel it uh, back into comics and into art.
0: That's that's pretty amazing. I love how you describe that it was healthy for you to channel that frustration in, into this sort of creative way. Um, so, so speaking of creativity that, in that manner, who are some of the uh, creative artists that you look up to? You've already mentioned Tintin, obviously, <laughs> but who are some others that you look up to now in both in terms of form and storytelling? And how would you say, you know, that they've influenced your own process and style You know, and
1: approach. Um, So I guess when I got, when I started to get a little more serious about drawing, in um, let's say you know, you know the later years of high school and college, I was very into a lot of um, Art Nouveau artists, um, you know, Secessionist artists like uh, Gustav Klimt, uh, for example, um, and uh, Egon Schiele. People like that who in turn I think influenced um, one of my favorite artists who is um, Aubrey Beardsley who I think in turn influenced one of my other favorite artists who is Edward Gorey um, and I think all of those influences are seen later in um, when I started to read comics again but this time reading more independent comics. Um, um, an artist named Dame Darcy who was I think drawing on a lot of those influences as well. Um, I don't know how much of that shows up in my work now, but they certainly were my heroes back then and and, um, compelled me to draw back then as well. Um, As far as storytelling goes, I think um, there was a comic called Love and Rockets, but that was done by the brothers Hernandez uh, Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez and I think Jaime's work especially influenced me um, in my in my early years because um well it had to do with a style which was very like um, a clean style you know very um not too not so much you know no cross hatching and things like this, but very clean lines and dark shadows and stuff and but also the stories were um a lot of them had to were centered on very strong women um, punk rockers in, um, in California, in LA. And that really drew me in. And uh, I think a lot of the, um, I took a lot of influence from, from that sort of point of view. Um, and I don't know, as far as like short stories and, and the world of prose fiction goes, i um, I've always been drawn to short stories of, of people like Doris Lessing and Margaret Drabble. Um, I don't know how those those works of prose have influenced me in my comics, but I always, um, you know, I always find them very. Um, I like to immerse myself in those worlds. Um, and I have to say, in the past couple of years, when as as I've been working on these on this book and the next book, I, I sort of stopped reading comics. And um trying to cut myself off from influences, which is a kind of strange thing to say, but um, it's I've not been um, following a lot of contemporary work. Um, I would like to get back into it. Um, so that's an answer but it gives you a sort of you know, bunch of like old names I'm, I'm, I'm a little um, sad to say I can't really uh, name and you know get into uh contemporary influences so much but i'm sure that will come as i kind of come out of my shell
0: no i i totally get what you say about not wanting influences i find that when i'm writing fiction i can't read other fiction absolutely so i i know what you're saying yeah and, and you met, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no,
1: that, that's, that's all I had to say about that, sorry.
0: Right, yeah, no, and and now that you've mentioned, I recognized some of those older names for sure, mm-hmm. and, you know, now that you've mentioned them, I'll have to go back, you know, to your work and look for whether I can see Beardsley or Edward Gorey. Um, Beardsley is one of my favorites. I actually found a rare one of his uh, in an old shop in Barnstaple uh, in England when I was working and I was traveling a lot for work, and I went into this. It was like one of those um, charity goodwill shops, and um, they had this little Beardsley sketch called Piero of the Minute, and it was just, like, tucked away in the back, and I picked it up, and I said, how much is this spoon?" And they said 35 pounds, and I just snapped it up. I was like, okay, that's good. That's good enough. <laughs> so I know I, I love Beardsley, and, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to go back to your work and look for that now that I know that... Um, Kori and beard to be. and Klimt, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think Klimt, Klimt's colors for sure. I can see Klimt's colors in your work already because you know you've got bright, vivid colors in your own work. Um, so yes, I have to at
1: some point incorporate some gold into my work too. So.
0: Mm, yes. Uh, so so speaking of your work, so with Upsura Engine, how did you come to the concept of short stories? Versus, you know, a longer form um, to to do to to, to to do this book. You know, uh, what what drew you to short stories? I know you mentioned Doris Lessing, and Margaret Drabble, but are you more? Uh, do you lean more toward the short story form in general? Is that why you chose that? And then, what role did it? You know, ancient myths and other stories come in. You know, how did they come into your work here?
1: So, Apsara Engine started off life as. As what we call in the in the, com, in the indie comics biz, um, mini comics. Uh, I you know I had I would have ideas for just short stories, and I would make small like Xerox comics that I would make maybe fifty copies of and sell at conventions. Um, and these, uh, I, I would just do them because I thought I needed a project, to, <laughs> um, and I would I had like. Two or three of those that I had done, and this is while I was still um, working in architecture. Um, so those three, you know, they I thought, oh well, you know, these are sort of just exercises for me in in getting something on the page or pages. Um, after I quit my job in architecture, I realized, you know, these I've self published these stories, but I never, you know, they're still they're valid. They're still, you know, like. 40 80 pages worth of um, of stories that have never really been uh, you know launched out into the into the real world so I thought well you know I've already got a head start on a, having these in my in my sort of um, portfolio so I thought I could just keep going with them and um, I started writing more stories along of the same length but then I would write, I started wanting to write longer stories, so there are some stories within in the book *Obsara Engine* which are longer form. They're not like you know, as opposed to like twenty as opposed to twenty pages. Some some of them are like forty pages, and that gave me sort of more room to explore, you know, the space of conversation between the two characters or whatever. But um, yeah, the, the more I worked on the book, the longer the narratives got. But it always was going to be a, a collection of short stories because that's um, that's how I started off the idea of that made it the idea of the book viable for me, you know, because I thought I had enough work as a sort of seed that I could then build on. Um, I would like to do longer uh, a longer narrative one day, um, but I'm not quite there yet. Uh, as far as uh, you know, ancient myths and other stories, um, I guess, you know, I I grew up with um, the Amar Chitra Gatha books, books, uh, the comics, and uh, those, were, you know, they're fraught. They're absolutely riddled with problems um, to do with caste and skin color and the sort of subjugation of the women in them um, very dodgy kind of politics and stuff. But um, that's kind of what I grew up in. That's how I learned a lot of my um, history and mythology for what that's worth. Um, and also the form itself, the comics form, was something I've, I've taken to heart. And I, um, I'm thinking of one story in particular in Upsara Engine, which is called Pleasure Palace. And there is a story within the story that I sort of modeled on the kinds of narratives that you found in Amartya Tarkatha comics, um, and it's a very kind of reduced fairy t- not fairy tale but like a you know tale of, of um, a queen who is wronged, um, and some of the, the trope some of the tropes in it come from the tropes that I noticed in in the Amartya Tarkatha, Comics, but I kind of um, upended it in a way. It's you know, so like the the, the women characters in my story end up um, on a path to um, vindication and and almost revenge, you know. Um, and I've sort of uh, I was trying to take the form of the of the, of the kind of myth or story that, that I, I used to, that I grew up with, but um, revolutionize it in a way too, so that the, the characters in it were no longer like um, victims, but rather that they were strong uh, protagonists.
0: Yes, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it' because I think most of us uh, from, you know, South Asian cultures, we all kind of grew up with um, that being the source of our knowledge, right, for history and mythology to a certain extent. And I like the story within the story thing you mentioned because that's the sort of general format of the uh, epics too, right? When you look at all our epic, ancient yes. epics, there really a lot of stories within stories within stories and they kind of go digressing, digressing, digressing till they come back to the original frame story. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and and how, you know, I have to ask this follow on question, because right now, given the climate that we're in with COVID-19, I know a lot of my writer friends are struggling with some of their book launches because they can't go and do the usual uh, book events and readings. And so your book has come out as, at, at, at such a time. And how, how are you dealing with kind of trying to get more, you know, the word out there? What are you trying to do to get the word out then? How can we, you know, attend any of your virtual events if you're having any?
1: Um, Yeah, I've been doing one or two readings. There are some more coming up Um, Zoom Zoom readings with um, other authors. I just did one um, on Tuesday with other authors from Feminist Press, which was great. Um, And then I've got like an Instagram Live event coming up this Wednesday. Um, I am. I'm having trouble, like keeping track of what, like, it, you know, the the sort of virtual events are 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 more nebulous and like cloud-like to me. So I'm having trouble um, fixing them, or, like you know, kind of pinning them down in my memory. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm doing what I can, but it is very sad. Um, you know, there's a lot sadder things happening in the world now. Um, and but you know selfishly I'm I I was you know really looking forward to a lot of the the launch party in New York to going to the West Coast to do book events and something I'd always really kind of fantasized about and dreamt of so it it feels it is hurtful but um, you know there's other thing there are many other things to be thankful for um, and and a lot you know i just consider myself lucky to be in a position where I'm not um, truly ravaged uh, financially, psychically, and emotionally by this um, by this plague. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm, I'm okay, but, you know, I'm nowhere near like what other people are going through. So I, I should be thankful for that.
0: No, I I hear you. I hear you. Well, what we'll do is I'll try and make sure that I link to any of your upcoming events when we put the transcript uh, of this podcast out. So I'll make sure that we get the word out there as well, because I know a lot of writers are trying to do that. And it's a bit much because there's a lot of virtual events going on, but it's also in a way good that we can do things virtually, you know, so that's good. Um, But So speaking of uh, work, then, um, and you know, what what's the next uh, big project that you might have underway or on the horizon? If you can speak to it, is there anything that you can share about? I I know some writers. I I know I can't speak about current work, but you know, but just if it's already on the horizon, perhaps you could speak about it. What's the next? Yes, I
1: have a book, another book. I mean, (laughs) coming out this year. You can tell my timing is truly impeccable. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a graphic memoir called Spellbound, which is coming out from Street Noise Books. And um, it's sort of a, what my fan, friend Adam calls a displaced memoir in the sense that I started it by, by wanting to keep a sort of comics diary about my life having quit architecture and drawing, starting to draw comics. But I didn't want to draw myself. So I substituted another character in place of me, um, whose name is Anjali, and she's a cisgendered woman. Um, this is all before I came out as trans. So the uh, I kind of didn't know what I was doing back then. I would just sort of like um, do the daily, like a daily comic, you know, sort of documenting my my the events of the day or my experience um, using through the lens of this other character. Um, and, you know, before, I, before I'd before i done this, a lot of my characters were women. Um, and I found it very difficult to write um, men as protagonists. But it took me a while after this to realize what that actually meant to me and what it meant for me, which is that, you know, these were not just voices or um, mouthpieces, but they were like almost like um, an entry into being a woman, you know? Like all the, the way that I represented myself meant much more um, in retrospect than, or it meant more now that I have processed it all and I thought I did at the time. So having the substitution of this character who is a cisgendered woman meant something for me as a trans woman. You know, it was a sort of um, entry, a gateway into realizing who I was. So the book, the memoir, is about um, my experience uh, writing the last book, Apsara Mjin, but it's also about um, growing up, um, you know, uh, just sort of personal experiences and reminiscences and, and memory Uh, It's about my parents, about how they, um, about, like, how my mom got sick and how we had to move her to India with my dad and how they had to do this in order to get the right, you know, the kind of care that she needed. Um, and it's also about, in an oblique way, or perhaps not so oblique, it's about being trans or becoming trans, um, and it's also got a lot of uh, food in it. So um, it's sort of like a hybrid um, form, but um, that's coming out in August uh, and it's called Spellbound. And so that's, I'm looking forward to that. It's done, it's off to the printers. Um, I'm hoping by the time it comes out that, well, I mean, I shouldn't even say anything, but you know I'm hoping I'll be able to do some in-person events when that happens, but I guess we'll find out um, in the fall, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But that's my next project. I have a—I mean, I have ideas simmering. But uh, for now, I'm—I'm I'm just sort of working on a few illustration projects and stuff to to clear my head of of these two big projects that I've just finished.
0: Oh, cool! No, so I that um, the memoir sounds exciting I mean it, there's a lot you mentioned that's in it um, but that's huge that it's it's the covering a uh, couple of interesting journeys of your life and I think that definitely sounds interesting and I know uh, what you mean about timing because I've got two books coming oh. out this year too so it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not I, uh, I, and I've got one coming out in the US and one in India because it's a uh. translation so I, I don't even know i don't even want to yeah. sit and think right now about how i'm going to yeah, do okay. all that but anyways okay um so okay uh so lastly um because this podcast is about desi books um uh if you had to pick just one favorite desi book what would it be and why
1: so i'm going to say devdas by chandra chatterjee mm-hmm. or chattapatha um, because, well, may, maybe it's because of sentimental reasons. My dad, um, gifted me a copy of it, uh, when, when we had moved him and my mom back to India. Um, this is about the time of, or maybe a little later than the Shahrukh Khan film version of it. So, um. I, uh, he he gifted it to me and he wrote in the uh, in the sort of front part of it, you know, Bishak, uh, enjoy Devdas, but don't become one, <laughs> you know, um, I'm not sure what he meant, like, don't become an alcoholic or, or, you know, a tragic figure or something, but I'm like, okay, I'll take, you know, whatever, but um, I don't know, um, just because of Baba. You know, I want to say that's my, that's going to be my Desi book. Um, but it also has like so many sort of things that I'm drawn to, the sort of melancholy, um, the sort of tragedy, the sort of sadness of it. Um, and, you know, it's a very like Bengali book. So I'm, I'm find myself very easily sort of um, able to immerse myself in it. Um, I was going to say Suitable Boy Vikram said, um, "You know, I'd, I can't. I think I would have to revisit that one before I, before I said that was my favorite. Um, I remember liking it ages ago. But I'm going to go with Dave Das for for the moment.
0: Oh no, great choice, right there. I mean, I, I've only read the translation, obviously, um, but you're right that Dave Das has a lot in it, um, a lot of different moods, and um, it's one of those." Uh, doomed romance plot lines but you know that's done so well in bengali yeah, literature uh, yeah. right yeah, that's, so that's, that's what that's, we do <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well no that's great pick great and then you know uh, a suitable boy yeah it's it's a huge book i i remember reading it ages ago and I, I'd have to revisit it too now if i needed to but um no that's excellent so um thank you this was quite a fascinating chat i really did learn a little bit more about you know how you uh, put apsara engine together and i'm looking forward to sp- spellbound correct, correct. You said yes. the memoir so i'm looking forward to that and i'll make sure um, that I link to any events that you've got upcoming. I'll reach out to you separately to get those links. Um, but thank you so much for making the time and for sharing uh, your journey and about this book and, and the next one. And uh, I wish you all the very best with both these books. And I, I just know, having seen and read about Absura am um, I've got it on order, just so you know, but you know, it's not an essential item. So Amazon isn't shipping it very quickly right now. But um, I do have it on orders so. though. But um, thank you. I, I think I've I really enjoyed this conversation. I thank you so much, Jenny. This
1: means a lot to me to be able to talk to you about, about my work. And, and thank you for having me.
0: You've been listening to episode five of Desi Books. News and views about Desi literature from the world over. Tune in next week for episode 6. Follow on Twitter at TheySeeBooks and tag the account if you have requests or suggestions. Email at hellotheSeeBooks at gmail.com Stay healthy, keep reading, and write well.